for your memory. Hi, everybody. Are we welcome. doing it again? No. Yeah, do that's it. right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shop Talk Podcast, brought to you by 124Gum. Your co-host, Chris Sulemay, and as usual, sitting here with my great friend, Mr. John Palmieri. And, man, am I excited about today. Wicked excited? Wicked excited. Well, for one, I don't know if it's happening in the north where we're talking, I believe, but I woke up this morning and just walked outside and felt that little chill. That crispness in the air? Just that crispness in the air, and, man, it just got my juices flowing. I knew we had some work in the salon today, and I knew we had this great conversation lined up. So I'm pretty excited. How about you? I've been watching. I'm kind of tired. I've been staying up late watching Cobra Kai on Netflix. Oh. you got to watch it. It is the worst, best TV ever. Yeah. yeah. It started on YouTube, I think. Yeah. You not. ever see Cobra Kai? No, I don't watch it. you got to watch it. It's so bad. It's awesome. You just got And like all the people that were in the first movie, like they're in it. They're still in it. It's based from off of Karate Kid, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's got the same the same people. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, yeah. Although Allie's missing. We're not, we're not sure where Allie is. Well, yet. Allie went missing. Yeah. So. And we have an incredible guest today. And back in my previous educator career, we had the chance to cross paths. But now I'm really excited to get to have this conversation with Michelle Patton today. So first of all, Michelle, welcome. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. I was, I'm honored and humbled to be asked to be here today. As are we. Just to give the audience a little snapshot into your life, you work in Concrete Salon, who we just had uh, Christine Zielinski on recently. So that was just a coincidence. I, di I didn't know that. And so it was really cool to see. And though you've been in the hair world for 20 years, you've been teaching for a long time. In the past few years, you've developed this real love for leadership and consciousness and that next step, as I like to call it inside of the industry. I think a lot of artists bump up to that point in their career where it's like, oh, I, I get it. I feel like a master. I know I don't know it all, but what's next? With that said, there's a lot we want to cover today. So, John, why don't you uh, leave well, us Well, I started out. my favorite place, which is I want to know how the heck this happened to you. How did hairdressing come your way? Why hairdressing? How did this happen? Why you? So I've always been creative. I uh, grew up in a middle-class home. My parents didn't know what to do with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, all they did was drive me towards college, but it just didn't feel right. Yeah. So always kind of searching and searching. Why, why? What's my purpose? What's purpose, purpose, purpose? Mm -hmm. And then I went to college mm -hmm. and didn't love it. Right. And didn't finish it. Well, my father-in-law had managed a uh, brokerage firm in the area and said, why don't you just come kind of work here with us for a little while? And I did. And I, you know, assisted brokers. I worked in the wire room. Uh, and then I ended up with a group of women that did 401ks yep. and despised it. How, when you say you worked there for a while, how long is a little while? Six, seven years. Oh, wow. So you hated it for a while. I did hate it for a while. <laughs> I often got in trouble for not wearing stockings or wearing a hat to work or, you know, Stockings, remember those? I, I do. I have a pair on right now, actually. What do you, why do you have to bring that up? Uh, and then I had bought a house, got married, had a baby, quit my job. And my best friend at the time also fell into hairdressing and said, why don't you come answer phones once a week just to get out? Yeah. And I walked into the salon and I felt like Hermie in the land of misfit toys from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Love it. And I finally found a group of people that saw things the way I saw things. Mm -hmm. And it took me 28 years for it. Wow. Mm. 
That's amazing. That's awesome. Um, when you said you kind of, and, and I know that feeling about walking into the room and just knowing you belong, right? But drill down on that just a little bit. What was it that was so enchanting? And I, I used that word purposeful, just mm -hmm. so you know. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Rudolph uh, the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Got yeah. it. What was so enchanting? What was it that just, like, ah, oh, this is my place. These are my people. That they were, they were creative and they were all individual. Mm -hmm. They all let their own authenticity shine through. Mm -hmm. And for so long, I had been put into a box right. of what I was supposed to do. Uh, you know, it brings up for me, I'm just, I'm picturing your first seven years of your career, first of all, where you're, you're walking around, you're going to the job that you think you're supposed to go to, doing the thing that you think you're supposed to do to be successful. And I know that a lot of people um, feel that misfit feeling when they come into the industry and they go, oh my God, like this is it, I'm right. home. Why did you stay for so long? I, I didn't know where else to go. I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. I had been, again, um, I had a bubble around me of what the world was. was. Mm -hmm. I never looked out. I, I tried to look and explore outside of it. And I adore my family and all, but it was very like, how dare you question what else there is? You know, I want to uh, tag onto a vocabulary word you used earlier. You said my purpose. Was that a word you would have used then? Or is that a word that you've come across or has now become part of your vocabulary? I think it's a newer word that I've come across in the sense that I've always been searching, searching for like what I'm meant to do and then feeling pushed and then realizing that that's where purpose came in and that I was at least aware of it and didn't know I was aware of it. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You feel like you're there? I feel like I'm there, yeah. but it's, it's changed. It's shifted. Uh, and of course, I think COVID and everything that we're all going through played a sure. role in like getting slapped in the face with the brick wall, like you got to yeah. stop running. <laughs> well, what in your purpose is changing? My purpose is changing because, so I go into salon, I discover the industry, I fall in love with hairdressing. And then I decide I want to be the best I can possibly be. I want to be the best haircutter. I'm going to find the best mentors. I'm going to, you know, do all of that as a mother and a, you know, a newly married woman. And then I'm going to share that with people because I know how hard education is. And this is like pre, like we're doing online education, right? you know? Yeah. Um, so I decide, okay, and I'm going to get into education because now I need to share yeah. this with everybody. And then I get into education and I adore it. And I'm, on the road every weekend. But what I'm always seeing is the underlying theme in each room that I'm in is that it's more than just the haircut. Mm -hmm. It's more than the technique. Mm -hmm. That I'm influencing people to feel more powerful about who they are. Mm -hmm. it, all the other things are like the minutia that's in between. If you could just get one thing out of this class, technically, mm -hmm. and get everything out of this class emotionally and through your heart then then i'm satisfied talk about that light bulb moment what Tell i started learning that. through haircutting even is that we're taught foundationally well some of us right not all some of us are taught certain foundations in haircutting and that there was still a mystery to it that there still was something that they're not someone's not sharing something with me like i'd still not connecting so then I thought, okay, if I could just expand somebody's mind to think differently, to see it differently, um, then, I've, then I feel that I've done my job. Mm -hmm. And again, then I realized that 
my hands have been the vessel for the message, but it, it's not necessarily always the message. When you're making those connections with people, how does like, how does that happen? That when you say it, it isn't just the hands, right? Is it just that you've learned to have a different conversation? Have you learned to ask better questions? I think all of those things, to be quite honest with you. Mm -hmm. And not until more recently is it that I feel that, you know, that I can feel the energy and like really sense the energy of a room mm -hmm. and, and how you can move it in the direction you need it to go in. It takes a long time to pick that skill up. And I'm, I, it's funny because I'm, I'm looking at you in the face through the camera as you're having like these remembrances of your awareness and you've you look so familiar to me to to almost any person who's gone through that and it's like even in the teaching world just like behind the chair it starts out in the phase of i have to learn how to do this or else and all the other stuff doesn't matter because if you can't cut a straight line you know without taking an ear off you're you're in a lot of trouble right mm -hmm. And then you get past that point and then there's the, there's the period that you go through where you're really proud of the fact that you can nail it. Like, wow, I can, I can nail this bob or I can do this highlight, whatever it is. And then eventually that wears off, that feeling of excitement. And for some people, it takes them an entire career. For other people, it's like two weeks, right? It's like, oh, I can do this. What's next? Um, and that's stages and stages. You're like unpeeling this onion throughout your entire career. At, at one point in your career, the artistic thing was the thing. And, and that you're still a practicing hairstylist behind the chair. And just like the rest of us, you still walked through this time that we've all walked through together. Um, and so I'd like to talk a little bit about that first. First of all, how long have you been with Pureology? Just out of curiosity, it seems like it's been a long time. Yeah, just over 10 years. Yeah. And did you know haircutting, it sounds like haircutting was always your thing? Was that straight out of cosmetology school? Did you? It was straight out of cosmetology school. And I color hair as well. So in salon, I do both. Uh, my first mentor told me, don't ever just choose one thing. Yeah. Because he chose one thing and saw other people financially successful in choosing more than one thing. Um, and so did you right away feel like you wanted to teach haircutting? Yes, absolutely. Because it made sense to me. And I thought, how can I, how can I help other people make sense of, of it if mm -hmm. they don't get it? Mm -hmm. So, yes. And then I joined Pureology because Ruth Roche joined Pureology. Ah, yeah. She pulls it. She, she draws a crowd. Yeah. Absolutely. And the minute I looked at her, I said, we are going to be friends. Yeah. yeah. And almost, you know, 11 years later, she's my bestie. So that, that's awesome. I saw Ruth when she was with Trevor Sorby, like on the Sorby team, do a real small room. Um, I met her then I'm aging myself and her. I apologize, Ruth, for that. But, um, you know, and, and so I, I think it's a, it's a gift for, for, for your brand, certainly that she's, you know, ended up in that world. And, and move down. So I know you're still working with people, a lot of people with on this ta uh, on the skill of hair cutting. I want to know when you're when you're out there working with professionals, because we've also I think realized that all levels of professionals still make real foundational mistakes, or they didn't have the training or whatever it is. Um, what are some of the most common things you're out there teaching? 
but um, and and what are some maybe myths or mistakes that you see made that or questions that you get asked a lot? So um, I worked for a team for just over ten years and created a foundation cutting class for her that I taught all apprentice, right? So foundation is important to me, but what I what, why, why I love is it? to be able to sit in a room with people that are new to the industry and people that have been in the industry for 20 years and still be able to, t- to, c- to bring something to both of them. Mm-hmm. So even through creative work, through advanced hair education, I always bring it back to foundation because I find that there's many people in the room that never got that. So just the small pieces of palm to palm. And why palm to palm? Why, why are you choosing to buy? Like, what's the difference? Why does it matter? And then getting into like your body, you know, well, this is what your body's doing and this is what your eyes are doing and this is the hair that you're combing, you know? Um, this is why elevation works. This is why head shape is such a big deal. Being understand bone structure and those things. So being able to take something advanced but still have pieces of it that have fundamentals woven inside of it so that now I'm reaching everybody. So now I have an advanced hairdresser in the room going, oh, oh, you know what? I never looked at disconnection like that, you know, because a majority of perfect precision haircuts, there's some slight disconnection in there that maybe no one's telling you about, but that's why it melts like butter in the back of somebody's head, you know, or how can I make it look that way? with an, you know, utilizing a different technique and still using the foundation. Agreed. Foundations are something that it seems like most veteran hairstylists seem to walk away from pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think the other word that I heard that I hear often that made me question always, and it's a word that's showing up a lot, is per well, I can't do that because I'm a perfectionist. Well, we all know that's just fear staring at you. Right. That is not the most attractive thing about you. And I won't let you go down that rabbit hole. Take the perfect and put it in your pocket. <laughs> Love that. That's awesome. The only person who's not going to hear that on this podcast is a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't know what they're talking about. Those people. Well, it's an underlying theme, you know, that what it really is. What does that really mean? And why do you say that creativity, uh, we agree, I agree, but why, why does creativity really start with foundations? Because I, I can't expand on anything if I don't understand why it's happening. You know, I can't expand on a graduated shape if I don't know the difference between horizontal, vertical, and diagonal, or um, her, the bone structure. You know, why is the back of her head always flat? And if I'm not emphasizing the occipital bone, and I know how to do that, then it's always going to stay flat. So creatively, it gives me a much more of a push to create the shapes that I'm looking for, or she's or they're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Overall, I find without that, then I don't know. You're just making crap. It's important to me. Yeah, you're guessing at that point. Yeah. 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 And that's cool and it works for people. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. those guesses work, right? Yeah. Sometimes you yeah. guess right. Yeah. And then sometimes... Uh, Not so much. Yeah. Yeah. But I also find that in a, like in an apprentice world, mm-hmm. and we're reworking our apprentice program currently, right. is that apprentice or people that are new to the floor, it takes them a good eight months mm-hmm. 
before the light bulbs even go off. And if they're not touching hair, it's going to take even longer. Right. So you could be rigid with a system and a technique. And we're going to work on this graduated bob for the next four weeks. Mm -hmm. but, uh, and then if they're not actively doing it, it's the connection's not there. What are you guys, th that's an interesting question for us because we are also mm -hmm. uh, m maneuvering that right now as far as the, you know, what, what that onboarding process looks like. What are you guys uh, sort of map switching that to or what are you coming from and to? So we're coming from a pretty extensive program, right? So um, I believe there was 20-something haircuts that were part of the program. That was about a year to almost two years. Yeah. And we're saying, okay, we want them to fly more because we see that the young people today don't, don't tell me that I'm not going to be doing hair for another year to year and a half. Yeah. So we're saying, okay, here's, you know, five to six important things that we know that you can actively use on the floor to start your career with, both in coloring and cutting. We're going to focus on those mm -hmm. for the first 10 weeks. And then they're going to have an opportunity to, to use those things. Is that because you just felt as though things were moving too slow? They weren't thorough enough? I mean... Oh, no, they're, they're super thorough. Yeah. They're beyond, they're extremely thorough and, and, and perfect mm -hmm. for all that they are. The world doesn't work that way anymore. Sure. It just, I, you know, I'm a potentialist. Mm -hmm. Christine's a potentialist, mm -hmm. right? We see the potential in things. And yeah. the world, and I'm, I'm good with change. I'm like, bring it. Give me more. When you say the world doesn't work that way anymore, expand on that a little bit. Well, I, you know, I don't believe that young people or people that are younger than me, the next generation of people, right? right? Young kids. They don't do, th they, they don't want to do it that way. And I think to some degree they're teaching me. Mm -hmm. I always look at it like they're teaching me something, these kids. You know, I also have a 22 year old. They're teaching me when they say, I don't want to work like that, you know, well, and there, I know some people who would argue and say, well, but that's how I got there. Right. And that's what, but that's not, they're actually teaching me. Yeah. I don't have to work 75 million hours a week. You know, I want to, I want to talk about that for a half a second. On one hand, I see the value in not having to work 75 hours per week. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I won't speak for everybody here, but I think we have in common the idea that when I cut hair, when I first started as a hairdresser, I cut hair all the time. I cut hair in the morning. I cut hair in the afternoon. I cut hair at night. I'd cut hair after the bar I worked at closed. I cut hair in the garage. I cut hair in bathrooms. I'll cut hair anywhere, right? Now, I think the difference was I loved it. You know, I didn't look at it as doing 75, 80 hours worth of work. I just loved it. And it was like, I want to do more. Yeah. If I'm a, a and there's going to be a, a series of questions here. So play with me for a minute. If I'm a, if I'm a salon owner, right. And I'm adjusting to the new world around me, 
I think one of the one of the thoughts that crosses my head, well, they don't love it as much as I do. They don't like doing hair as much as I do. Because if they did, they'd work. They do 75 hours because, you know, they just love it. But as you just said, yeah, no, they're teaching me something. What's where, Where's the difference there? Because here's my follow-up question. The follow-up question is, can we reach the same level of proficiencies if we're not? All in, right? Well, and I'm not, and I don't know the answer to this question. I'm just asking a rhetorical question because it'll, it'll let us talk for a half hour, right? <laughs> feel as the, no, I think it's great. They're great questions, um, yeah. in great conversation. I don't know that. I think that again, we just keep looking at the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're constantly reflecting on what was. Right. This is the way it was done. Yeah. So this is the way it should be done versus why not kind of let them navigate a little bit more because they're, they're doing it in a different time than we were. Right. You know, when we were doing it, I didn't have social media as a marketing tool. Yeah. I didn't have Instagram. I, you know, I didn't have all these other facets. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that at some level, I don't want to come compare my story and journey to their story and journey mm -hmm. they're totally separate things mm -hmm. so as a owner or as a leader on a team my biggest thing that i strive for is to connect with them to mm -hmm. find out what do they want to contribute how do they want to grow right? right and then be able to play that role for them sure be that mentor be that resource yeah, it's just another, per, you know, mm -hmm. perspective. When you're working with younger stylists, and you said they're teaching you, mm -hmm. is there anything you can share that you've, you've felt you've learned or picked up late in the last couple of years? I think that they're very similar. We're all very similar in the sense of a lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that that hasn't changed. There's still a lack of confidence. Even when you're taught technically above and beyond yeah there's still that level of confidence which is where the empowerment piece comes in for me is and is that where you're you know eventually you were teaching you teach thousands of people and then one day it kind of hits you in the face there's something kind of missing or i still have this thing inside of me that feels like there's more i think it was recognizing it in others because again at first the goal was always technical it was always like i'm my goal is to come out here and technically help you, right? And then I realized that, and sometimes the more mm -hmm. technical it became, the lack of less confidence they had. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that's not cool. That's not gonna work. Cause it's about how you make them feel just like behind the chair, right? And you have to be able to walk away making them feel empowered mm -hmm. and stand in their Stand in their shoes for a minute. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, do you think people's lack of confidence? You know, we're talking about what we know today, and we reflect on the past. And wasn't it great? You know, that was the best way to do everything. Um, is there a difference in how people communicate and interact that makes lack of confidence a bigger issue or less of a bigger issue? Well, I think right now, in, in the lack of confidence is back to comparison. Because mm -hmm. they, especially right now, they have more to compare themselves to. Right. 
it's keeping up with the Joneses on Instagram, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can honestly say um, a cha another challenge is that, you know, there's information that's given through those social channels that clients have access to. A gift and a curse. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's definitely a mixed blessing. Oh, yeah, you'll have a, a new stylist. I mean, this happens all the time uh, in our locations. I know it happens in every salon. A new stylist who is comfortable, confident getting there, but a client comes in and sits down and st starts to use the language that we use. Right. Um, without the knowledge that you can't take care from level one to level 10 today, maybe, I mean, you know, okay, yes, it happens once in a blue moon, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, Jack Martin's doing it all the time, you know, and gets paid $4,000 to do it. You know, yes, we get that. But, but for the most part, you know, the hair is going to melt or something's going to happen or we're going to get stuck at red. Um, and, you know, the client has seen this transformation the only thing that they know is it took, uh, it, it happened in under a minute in an Instagram video. <laughs> right. Um, and so it should be easy for you to do. And the term I use, I just used it with the students the other day, um, is, is bullied. You know, the, the young stylist gets bullied by a 30-something or one of their friends or a 50-something, you know, um, confident person sitting in their chair and tells them, no, you, you can do this. And then they end up in a really right curious spot. Yeah. Um, and the same thing happens for haircutting. Mm -hmm, right. You know, I had an artist reach out to me a few weeks ago that a client sent her a video of something that she saw a technique that was used on her hair mm -hmm. and, and asked the stylist to do it on her. Right. And the stylist was like, you know, what do I do here? You know, how much of my power do I stand in mm -hmm. versus how much of that do I use just to convey the right message to the guest? Talk about that standing in the power thing, because you've used that a couple of times and John kind of said it in a different way. But like when you when you say, you know, empowered and standing in your power um, and you're kind of trying to share a message of confidence to somebody who doesn't maybe fully understand that yet. What does that look like? How does somebody start to do that if they're not there yet? Most recently, I'm utilizing like just feel it first, feel it first, which means like once you, you know, most of the time when somebody's not feeling confident, they literally aren't feeling confident, so they mm -hmm. could feel it. Right. So feel it, recognize it. Where is it? Because then you can deal with it. You're already on your first step to self care if you just acknowledge it. You know, right. um, so that's kind of where I'm at with young people right now is like, what does that feel like? Where does it live? How can we work through it? If there's a worry that we have during the day, let's use our, let's write it down. Like, let's do a journal. So if I have a challenge with a guest, let's write that down. Mm -hmm. Because then I'm making some direct connections from here to here, you know, right. my brain to my fingers. And it's going to help me put, get it out there. So I don't have to keep it here. Right. You know, so just finding some small stuff like that so that when they step and when I say step into your power, I mean, like, speak your truth, be honest, be accountable right. for yourself in the conversation with the guest. Okay. I had a guest last week sit in my chair 
who her and I had like a challenge in connection, mm-hmm. like right at the get go. Like I just couldn't wrap my head around what she was asking. I had to actually change this, like a state change and invite somebody else in right. and say, I need you to sit with me on this because yeah. I need a middleman. Mm-hmm. And then we finally come to a, an agreement and I start working on the guest and I could feel, I, you know, you feel yeah. the tension. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I got to cut, I got to cut this. Mm-hmm. So I just looked at her and I, I scooted myself right in front of her and I said, it's really important for me right now to apologize to you and say that I'm sorry mm-hmm. for any of the challenges that we just had together, that mm-hmm. it wasn't clear. Yeah. And I feel like that's the accountability piece and I need other stylists in the room to see that accountability. Sure. And that's building my confidence. At the moment though, the people, the, the young stylists, they're just living in fear in that moment. Right, because we're asking them to go from fear to accountability. That's a big jump for a lot of people, right? A big jump. It is a big jump. How do you help people with that with that leap? I mean, I, I like your idea about the I, I like the the idea you had about the journal. I love that. Yeah, that was really yeah. Good. That you know, it's like so it's just like a little worry journal. Yeah. Keep it with you. When there's a challenge, write it out. And then in 24 hours, look at it and see how important was it. You know, this is totally off. It's not off the topic, but it's a, it's a longer story than it needs to be. The reason I'm bringing this up right now is I've got a stylist today, right? Now, today is the first day after the Labor Day holiday, so it's Tuesday, right? So she had a client that she had a, um, had a challenge with on Friday, right? It wasn't a bad challenge. It just left her feeling kind of awkward. Saturday were clo- Saturday she didn't come to work. Sunday were closed. Monday were closed. She spent I know what she All did. Weekend. She spent three days thinking about it, right? Yes. She spent three days building up her fear, and then of course she came in today and her manager called me and said, you know, one of our staff is she's really having a challenge with this. She doesn't want to do this client at one o'clock. She's literally in tears, you know. And I said, I know what happened. She spent three days hyping herself up, right? And right now, I'm trying to find a 30-second cure, right? Which doesn't exist. Let's be honest, right? Yeah. But it's, you know, as I said to the manager, I said, the the challenge she has right this second is she's she's in a level of fear that isn't going to disappear in a minute because she spent three days building it. We got staff that have spent the first 18 of the years of their lives building up that level of fear. I know, and that's why right now in this moment, Those things are the most important to me in teaching hairdressers because those are pieces that we weren't like on a psychological level. We weren't taught how to do those things. Well, throw COVID into the whole thing and scare the living daylights out of me a little more. Well, what I was just going to say, and you're, you're absolutely right about that. um, But what I was just going to say is, you know, for a young stylist, I called John last week because I made a color formulation mistake while I was helping a young person, and I was just beating the crap out of myself over it. I was just so, like, I was like, how could I make a mistake? <laughs> I mean, really, right? Who does that? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, the reality is, like, I'm picturing you eating crow turning the chair around and going, you know what? Somebody said to me recently, and I think this is brilliant, uh, eat your crow while it's warm. 
<laughs> like do it do it yeah. right now that's gonna be even worse R- right cold. because oh, and that. so you turn yeah. the person and even for a vet to turn the chair and to apologize almost feels like you're admitting defeat um in a way and if you watch it wrong you're seeing you're seeing it wrong it's like oh that person made them a third admitting defeat and what what you're doing is you're like to me that was a reset yeah. yeah. It gives the first of all, if the client had more to say, it gives them a little more time to air out what they needed to say. And sometimes the person needs to and you you turn and you say, you know, Chris, I'm you know, I want to take my responsibility for this. And then suddenly if I'm a professional and if I have a life, I go, huh, me too, actually. Let's just do this haircut. Yeah. Yes. So, oh, know, it opened her up instantly. Yeah. Instantly. And to to find out, right? So, yep, I because I'm all about the vulnerability. Like, I'm you got to put yourself out there, right? Mm -hmm. So I do it instantly. I feel the whole mood shift. Yep. And she opens up to me about some stuff that's going on. Sure. And we all know as hairdressers, that's what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You crack the shell. Yeah. And then the rest, she's already like, all right, let's talk about the next appointment. Let's move forward and then i didn't have to carry it with me this is obviously a podcast nobody can see your face as we can see you on the screen right now but when you said that you're lighting up you lit right up like a christmas tree right (laughs) really yeah really i'm not making it up i make a lot of stuff up but i'm not making this up when i said what specifically just that whole uh when you went for the heart you know when you said when you yeah when you went when you put your hands on your chest and went to the heart you just you you're, there was somebody else there that showed up for a minute. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I don't even know how to answer it, yeah. to be quite honest with you. Sure. Um, I don't know. I think it's just a gift. Yeah. It's a, when I get really passionate about things, I don't know. It lights me up inside. So, mm-hmm. And again, I feel like for I'm so deeply committed to stylists and hairdressers and mm-hmm. and you know, again, these are tough times. You were just, you know, I heard COVID, you know, the COVID piece plays a role. Right. We're all really struggling. Yeah. There's so much, you know, and, and we're therapists for people and we're, but we've never been taught those things. So we don't know how to handle conflict. We don't know, you know, we don't understand necessarily that the opposite of self-love is self-sabotage. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And we're really good at that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh, for me, I just want to bring that to light. Like that's where I'm at in the journey. I am like. Well, I think for, you know, I, t- I want to touch on leadership for just half a second because a, a lot of what you're doing, right, is an example of leadership. Maybe not in the aspect of I own this place, right, and I'm going to lead, right? But you're leading from a different place and and leading people in a different direction. I think one of the challenges that leaders have right now is there's the money piece right now, right? How do I continue to make the same paycheck? If I'm an owner, how do I continue to pay my people? You know, how do I pay all the bills? How do I do all that? And I think when we get there, we become a little more assertive, right? A little bit more directive. You know, let me help you. Let's let we we start to drive, right? And I think, as you pointed out, so many people right now, they've got a lot on their plate. They're full. 
There's a lot going on. The last thing I need right now is for you to try to drive me, right? So on one hand, as a leader, I, I have to deal with the realities of the world that's presented in front of me, right? On the other hand, and my methodology for dealing with that has become more of a driver. On the other hand, what I really need to deliver is a little bit more empathy, right? And trust that in that process of being more empathetic, uh, in that process of reaching people's hearts, in that process of leading people maybe differently than they would otherwise, comes the money. Maybe not all of it, right? But that's where that true gift comes from. But I, I want you to talk about that a little bit because, you know, we talked about this before the podcast. I'm more the logistical person, right? I'm going to sit there. I'm going to I'm going to measure the numbers. And I'm going to see how people are doing. And for me, I look at those numbers and I go, oh, so-and-so's not feeling great. I know it's not because of this, that, the other thing, but that's my gauge. My gauge is I'll look at your numbers and go, your attention's down. I know you're a great hairdresser. What's going on with you? Talk, talk to me, right? Not everybody's wired that way. How does it work for you? Yeah, money has never been my driver. Yeah. It's still not. Right. Um, and as I've grown older, achievement isn't my driver either. <laughs> yeah. Success is labeled differently. Right. So I, what I do believe is important as a leader is to have other people that sit at the table with me that can use those things. Mm -hmm. And then how can we sit together and combine and Hey, we're still doing it every, like it's still a work in progress. Right. right. Yeah. Is how, how can we merge empathy into those things? Right. You know, and again, yeah. I don't know the answer because we're still, you know, Christine and Leanne and Jess and I are still through creep trying to do that. And, and with Purology's piece, you know, we're trying to do that with the team as well on a different level. Talk to us a little bit about salon life uh, as of lately. And, you know, I mean, one of the things that we've uh, talked about on the podcast, we're always pretty open about what's happening inside of our organization. And in the months after you know, confusion, I think, would be the word. Obviously, we, you know, the cleaning stuff became apparent and obvious. We had to do that. Um, but then from there, it was, okay, what do you focus on now? And there was almost this this kind of void, if you will, and, and um, John's named it, you know, the heaviness after talking to a lot of our, you know, uh, in-company leaders, managers, education uh, director, um, and spent a lot of time just in the salon meetings checking in really like not in not a business agenda but like how are you has has anybody been affected are you okay and it still seems to be ongoing somewhat you know that well, I don't think it's thing. I think there's too many people with too many you know <clears throat> things going on you know whether it's your mom right yeah um, and your kids can't go to daycare or now it's your kids can't go to school Right. Right. Whether or not you've got elderly parents or grandparents who may or may not gotten sick, whether or not you have a husband or spouse or a significant other who's lost their jobs. You know, the, I'd like to think because I'm a positive person that the COVID's winding down, but the challenges haven't. Uh, right. They haven't changed at all. Right. 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 So salon life for you. How are you guys? Um, uh, looking at the next chapter, you know, getting w working through this chapter, keeping you know, keeping the salon cranking. 
Um, certainly clients want to get their hair done, or at least here, that's for sure. Yeah, same here as well. Same here as well. They, um, again, we are really allowing the team to navigate what's next because we are still in the midst of right. this pandemic. Right. Irrelevant to if anybody wants it to be or not. Right. And we, we can't expect anything. Mm -hmm. You know, all we have to do is go into it with the intention, but the expectation piece, you got to just right. leave at the door because you're going to be terribly disappointed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> at this point, it almost makes, for me, you know, the expectations disappear or become less prevalent. And I think when that happens, you, you get to look at the, what does come your way is more of a gift, right? Uh, and and your and your gratefulness goes up because you know my expectations. I mean, there are expectations that never go away, right? Um, but the vast majority of my sure, expectations, you can't be a jerk at work. No, you can't. Right? Yeah, no, just can't. <laughs> right? No, that yeah. No, I still don't swear. Yeah. You know, you just yeah. No drama. No. Yeah. Right. 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 But the rest, yeah. I mean, my expectations of what I can ask of people is vastly different than it was six months ago, right? Um, it, it's funny, um, my expectations, I'm doing a little self-reflection on the spot. Um, my expectations for others has decreased over the last six months, but for myself, it's probably increased because wow. I, wanna be, I wanna be more helpful, right? Yeah, you know? oh yeah, I get that. What, what more, that. how can I help the people around me? What can I do? Uh, how can yeah. I be of greater service? I feel the same exact way. Yeah. And I'm like a learner, a obsessed. Yeah. You know, I'm probably reading five books right now. Perfect. What's your favorite of the five? Which one's your favorite? Let's take some book recommendations. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, my goodness. And I have a Kindle, which is painful. Yeah, because you can skip from uh, book to book to book. Yeah. yeah. But I also feel like a lot of the books that I read are like so much information that yeah, yeah you, like, have, I, you have to take them in bite-sized pieces yeah i got yeah i gotta go back to it so like and here's i actually have a book that i'm reading so richard barrett the psychology of human well-being you are a geek yeah and so he takes consciousness and he takes maslow's chart and he adds from the psychology to the conscious i think how can i help hairdressers more how can i understand their level of psychological development, conscious, where they are consciously, how right. they want to grow, yeah. because those are going to play a role into how effective you are behind the chair. Right. And they're going to play a role into how effective you are to connect with people behind the chair. Mm -hmm. It's not just this. For me, this is working behind the chair is changing. It's changing. It's yeah. becoming wellness. It evolves. You yeah. say it became, it's wellness. becoming wellness. wellness or oneness? Wellness. 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 It's okay. becoming wellness. So, you know, I have many friends that are providing Reiki behind the chair yeah. as a service. Interesting. I was talking to somebody the other day who's opening up a new business and they were saying they're going to use the word um, healing in their title. Not, I said, not wellness? And they said, oh, no, we're done with wellness. We're going to healing now. Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. Well, Lonza uses healing. Oh, that's right. They do. Lonza Healing, healing Hair Care. Right. Yeah, right. it right. happens right. to be there. Yeah. And I know many of their artists as well. Totally. 
totally. it's just it's the new it's that's yeah. what's next yeah. is that we're going to be healing them in here as well as what they look like out here well you know somebody that we had on recently and that this was absolutely correct talked about the fact that we have all just suffered a trauma together. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember if it was Megan um, that Trani? said that, or uh, no, Megan um, uh, from New Jersey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, nevertheless, somebody's, and it was like, I never thought of it like that. But, mm -hmm. you know, we all got altered, what, sick or not sick, you know, right. I mean, we, we all got altered in some way mm -hmm. of the way we do things. And, you know, they considered that a trauma. And I was like, yeah, I, I guess that's the truth. And so this this healing thing, again, like in February, mm -hmm. you know, I, I always say, if you would have said, hey, what class do you want to take? I want to take social media and balayage. Mm -hmm. Great. You know, or precision cut. Awesome. Now, it's a totally different thing. What do you want to take? Yoga or, you know, a med I want to take a meditation class or I want to go to back to church, you know, what, whatever the thing is. But it's all based around the spirit of the human being. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and you I'm creating a program currently for Purology to, yeah. do, to bring that to the table. Yeah, wow. oh, that's awesome. Talk to us a little bit about what you have. First of all, for those of you that are listening to this conversation, uh, what, a, what a great conversation it's mm -hmm. been. I'm just, I just got a glance at the time now, so I didn't realize how long we've been going. Wow, yeah. um, so, uh, so I hope you're good because we'll, we'll start to, but um, if for those, audience that's listening and they're loving Michelle and they want to know more about you, how do we find you? Um, and how would we book a class with you? Yeah. So currently, um, so you can DM me even on Instagram. So okay. it's Michelle Lee P two L's in the, the name, Michelle, um, on Facebook, I'm Michelle minor Patton. I've kind of, I'm staying on those platforms currently. <laughs> I haven't joined TikTok yet. I am on TikTok, but I'm not really. Yeah, awesome. Prefer we reach out to you on Instagram through a DM, a email. Yeah, yeah. DM is great. Awesome. It's all personal. Awesome. Great. Um, dude, I feel like we've touched on a ton of great stuff here. What I like about this conversation is talking about, you know, I'm going to use, this is my language, this emotional wellness that I think we need to address as an industry as a whole. And cause, because here's the challenge, and I brought, I've said this before, so I'm, I'm gonna be slightly redundant. When I talked to one of my managers and I asked how she was doing, it took me a couple of times to ask her before I got to the truth, and that was, well, to be honest, I cry on the way home. And it wasn't just because what was happening in her life, it was she addressed eight clients that day, those eight clients shared their emotional state with her, and that as empathetic beings that I think hairdressers are, that's overwhelming, right? It's, it's overwhelming. Um, and in, in a pandemic, when you're trying to reevaluate your life, you know, have I made the career choices that I should have? Am I doing the right things? And then you toss in all of that emotional baggage that you get from your clients as well. Man, of course you're overwhelmed. And yeah. I don't necessarily think we've been taught the strategies or given the tools to handle that because six months ago we didn't have to six months ago you could go out and have a beer and it was okay now you just want to crawl in a hole and wrap up in a warm blanket and make the world go away i agree and i'm i 
agree a hundred percent because you take all those words that they they give you or all those emotions are like sticky notes that stick to you throughout the day and you don't know how to shake them off and self-care and self-love and acceptance and all those things yeah it's beautiful stuff michelle knowing that uh we've got an audience from cosmetology school students on up anything you think we're leaving on the table or any thoughts you want to leave us with always follow your intuition whatever your gut tells you is the way to go because sometimes we allow other people to direct us some in an in a direction that that's not what my gut told me to do okay especially in our industry don't work here work there don't talk to that one talk to this one don't choose that color choose this color to get real geeky with you for a moment on a quantum level there's like 11 trillion bits being thrown at you at one time and your brain can only absorb 11 of those things one at a time everything else is going to get felt right there every time we have one of these conversations i walk away with a little bit more than i knew before i came in and i love that about these podcasts yeah it's amazing uh we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners you know we we, we're watching those listens go up there we we hate to ask but we know there's a few things we need to ask for i don't hate asking Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand. It's down by your lap. I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets his his wings. (laughs) Did you know that? Yeah. And while that angel's getting his wings, it helps us move up. Um, you know, it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world, helps share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go, as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same Uh, in hours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.